0: So I have to tell you, I was in the hospital all day today, Oof. it wasn't for me though, which is always good news. That is very good news. Well it's not always good news because it's for my nephew, um, he's been in the hospital since the very end of April, um, I did post something on my Facebook page for the first time um, throughout this entire ordeal uh, because part of me feels a little weird because five years ago I put up a video. Um, that one of my nephews passed away from a very rare liver condition. And I feel like it's like this here-we-go-again kind of thing, and I don't want people to think that I'm asking for the sympathy vote. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, right? that makes sense. Like, as weird as it is, because you should, you should think like, hey, if somebody needs help, you just help them. But it's that same brother who lost a child, and now he has a child that's that's been diagnosed with brain cancer, And it's one of the worst kinds. I know I've talked about it, I think, at least one other time on the podcast, right when it first happened, I believe. Um, But I spent the whole day with him in the hospital. First time I've spent an entire day um, not just going and visiting. Um, And it was an interesting experience. I I brought my Bluetooth jawbone speaker. So while we were like working out in bed together, forcing him to do sit-ups and everything like that, I had the Pandora toddler uh, song station playing all day. So I've got like this row, row, row your boat gently down the street, you know. It was driving
1: driven you crazy.
0: Uh, all day long. <laughs> so when I could finally get in my car and I didn't even want to put the radio on, I just wanted to drive home in complete silence. Um, and, you know, it worked out. But he's doing a lot better. In fact, they think they're going to be sending him home as soon as this weekend. So that'll be amazing. He'll be in the hospital just short three months. Um, and everything is moving in a very, very positive direction. So it's really good. Uh, doctors are all excited. My brother and my sister-in-law, uh, they're both excited as well. So it, it should that, be a good thing.
1: That's very exciting. And it's it's incredible that your same brother who lost his son. or was his son? Yeah yeah just just a few years ago is now dealing with this again i mean man i can't even imagine what he's going through yeah but it's, it's really refreshing to hear that um that he's doing well and he might be sent home this weekend
0: yeah it's really bizarre because the the brain cancer is a, a such a more serious condition than the liver stuff uh, yeah. that that my my nephew jesse died from um And he's doing very, very well. So it's just, I don't know. It is what it is. But I don't want to start the show on a downer. Just kind of like a, a kind of more or less the funny anecdotal remark that I have about 18 different toddlers, lullabies, sing-songy, want to like push-a-knife-through-your-stomach kind of songs stuck in my head. You're
1: nightmares about these
0: songs. I'll tell you what, and songs get stuck in my head like crazy, and I'm always whistling to myself. My wife is always like, <laughs> what are you whistling now? And it's always the worst song, so now I've got a, a, a brand new repertoire of horrible songs to whistle.
1: Well, with a kid on the way, it's it's good practice.
0: <laughs> that's that's actually a good point. Oh, So with that, let's get the show started. It's episode 23 of the We Geeks podcast. I'm Nathaniel Dodson. He's Howard Pinsky. We're a day late this week because, well, I had to spend the day with my nephew, and we didn't record yesterday because Comcast. Well, uh, why, don't, why don't you explain the story?
1: Hashtag thanks Comcast. I might name the episode hashtag thanks Comcast. Uh, over the last few days, I mean, this really isn't much of a surprise considering we're talking about Comcast, but over the last few days, my internet has been absolutely terrible. I do have a theory which kind of, takes the blame away from Comcast which I'm not very happy about but in the in our area it's a fairly new area at least half the area is kind of new half the area is developing very quickly and they were digging digging up sidewalks and digging up a lot of different things the other day and around that time, our internet just stopped working for several hours and then the day a day later it stopped working for several hours and then a third day stopped working so i have a theory that maybe someone like cut a line or hit something or something happened while they were constructioning which really isn't comcast's fault but i'm going to blame comcast anyway so yesterday we wanted to record and my internet was completely down for most of the day couldn't do it so you know i apologize but here we are We're chucking through this. We're going to make this thing happen.
0: That's right. And next week, you're going to be out in Los Angeles, right?
1: I will. I'll be at VidCon all week, but we are planning to hopefully record maybe Wednesday night and then release it Friday if I can find some time. Uh, who knows? We'll see, but we're gonna make it happen again.
0: And now, for those of you who aren't aware, um, and maybe selfishly for me as well, what is VidCon? I mean, I have a general idea of what it is, but, like, what is it to Howard Pinsky, and why are you going? Because I've seen also seen your wife has posted on Twitter that she's pumped, it's whatever, five days away from VidCon, and here we go!
1: Well, to me... It's basically work, because at the moment, I work for a YouTube network, so I'll be working for the most part. It started many, many years ago. I think mm-hmm. Hank and John Green started it, and when it started, it was really something for YouTubers and the community to kind of come together and celebrate YouTube and being a creator, but uh, last year, what would I, how would I describe VidCon of last year? It's basically a fan fest where thousands upon thousands of 13-year-old girls scream at the top of their lungs and run after their favorite teenage boy YouTuber. And this is not an exaggeration. Last year, Michelle and I were sitting waiting uh, for something, It might, have, whether it was a session or a, whatever it might be, and we literally saw a group of teenage girls Running down the hallway, screaming after one of their favorite YouTubers, and ran over, trampled over a pregnant lady. Wow! It's absolutely, you know, I I would I hope I don't get fired for this, but there the behavior of some of these girls is just disgusting. Um, but you know that's that's a big part of VidCon. But there also is a part of VidCon where. It, YouTubers kind of come together and discuss things and discuss collaborations, discuss networks and this and that. So there's a little bit of professional, a professional side to it. But at the same time, it's kind of like a rock concert like it was when Elvis was around. It's just a lot of screaming and a lot of fans.
0: So if you're a content producer and you go, there's definitely something you can get out of it by networking with other content creators uh, of, who knows, of really, I would imagine, a, a multiplicity of different genres.
1: Yeah, I would say so. I mean, there are some content creators that really won't benefit from much when going to VidCon, but for the most part, you can definitely do a lot of networking when you're there.
0: Gotcha, cool. Well, so that's where you're going to be next week. Um, As I was saying, 23rd episode of the WeGeeks podcast. You can follow us on Twitter. You can follow me at tutvid, that's T-U-T-V-I-D. And you can follow Howard at Iceflow Studios. And Howard, you've got the down low on how people can follow the podcast.
1: Yes, they can follow us on a few different places. The main place is on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash WeGeeks. And the nice thing about SoundCloud is you guys can go on there and comment along as you're listening to the podcast. That way, myself or Nathaniel can go in later and respond to you guys. So if you have something really interesting to say or if you hate the podcast, you can definitely go on and you know, make yourself heard and we definitely respond to as many comments as we can. We've been getting some decent engagement on SoundCloud which is really cool. We're also on iTunes, iTunes really doesn't have much of a fancy URL but our iTunes link is on the SoundCloud page and occasionally we do read reviews, we haven't gotten any since the last time, it doesn't update automatically so Maybe by next episode we'll have a few more reviews. We're on Stitcher Radio and we're also on Patreon, and people can throw us a dollar or three dollars or five dollars per month if they really love the show, so we can keep going. And hopefully, at some point, we can do two episodes per week. Who knows? But every week we do shout out our patrons, and this week we want to give a big shout out to Caleb Surface, Steve Johns, Craig Jones, Genevieve Peron Migneron. Michael Williamson and Jordan Younts. So thank you so much for supporting the show. We really do appreciate it.
0: And side note, Genevieve so we don't continue to butcher your name maybe just tweet at Howard or I with a phonetic pronunciation of your last name I guarantee you we very much appreciate it.
1: I should probably ask my parents because they were born in Montreal where Genevieve looks like she was oh, born see? or lived. So my parents would be able to tell me how that's pronounced. But yeah, if you can if you can send me a phonetic pronunciation, that would be awesome because I just sound <laughs> stupid.
0: Uh, and any of the stories that you hear on the podcast, as usual, you can find them over on tutvid.com slash WeGeeks slash episode 23. And that's the number 23. Uh, so we got some interesting stories this week. I'm um, really digging the lineup of stuff. Uh, we're going to kick things off this week with the new uh, iPod iTouch. Is it still called the iTouch, or are they going back to iPod the Touch? the iPod
1: Touch. It was never the iTouch. Oh, it was actually was the, that... the iTouch, I believe, from my time working at Apple, they pretty much banned us from using the phrase iTouch because I believe that was um, a product that is not necessarily rated – Well, (laughs) if you can use your imagination. Now, before I get into the iPod Touch, I do have one quick announcement that I do want. I think I can announce it at this point. Oh, that's right. I
0: almost almost cut you off from the most important announcement of the show.
1: (laughs) Of my life. Of your life. Um, it's not like official official but it's official enough that i think i can announce it i will be presenting at this year's adobe max for the first oh. time ever
0: cue the fake applause no it's the real applause we've got a crowd here Hear the <laughs> hear the people roar howard hear them roar for you
1: it's it's <laughs> crazy exciting but at the same time very nerve-wracking i've never present i mean i've never attended adobe max before i've been to photoshop worlds And I've certainly never presented at any of these conferences, but Adobe contacted me a few weeks ago and they wanted me to become a speaker. So I will be doing one session this year, maybe next year I'll do a few more. And I believe it's called Photoshop Shortcuts for Web and App Designers. And I'll be covering a lot of the new features in Photoshop that really pertain to web and app design, like artboards and the new updates to smart objects, libraries, Creative Sync, uh, mobile preview, a lot of different things. So if any of you are at Adobe Max this year, I would love for you to stop by my first ever session. You can probably laugh at me as I'm going to be (laughs) nervous like I've never been nervous before. But I think it's going to be a really cool experience. And hopefully I can educate some people in person for pretty much the first time ever. So it's super exciting.
0: Yeah, that that is super awesome. And I'm super pumped for you. And we definitely do need some listeners who are going to Adobe Max to make sure they attend the class because what Howard needs is he needs that that instantaneous validation, that, that person or two sitting in the front row just vigorously nodding their head <laughs> yes while he's showing whatever he's showing to get all the jitters out and to just really pump the self-confidence and be like, yes, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> totally. That's, and that's really awesome news though. It's great.
1: It is. yeah. And there, there's something else in the works, but this I really can't talk about. Hopefully everything works out with this other thing and I'll be able to talk about it maybe by the end of the month or maybe in next month. I hope that works. That, I hope it happens, but when that time comes, I'll talk about that as well. So anyways, with that aside, onto into the, the
0: news. Onto the iPod touch.
1: So. New iPod Touches were released along with an iPod Nano, I believe, which nobody really actually uses anymore. But I believe on Wednesday, Apple released new versions of their iPod Touch, which a lot of people were very surprised about because they thought, and I thought too, that Apple was just going to kill off the iPod now that we have iPhones and iPads and all these other devices that kind of replace iPods. But nope, Apple still has I guess, a future for the iPod Touch. They released a new version with a 64-bit A8 chip, so it's much, much faster super than the fast. previous versions. Yeah. Super, super fast. You can play all your Angry Bird games or whatever it might be uh, with these new, very thin iPod Touches. Virtual
0: reality, maybe.
1: Mm, maybe, with Google Cardboard. Mm, fancy. Um, they have improved front and back cameras and a new 128 Gigabyte storage option and in addition to all this they come in brand new fancy colors. They include silver gold blue and Bright neon pink now. What's interesting is a lot of people are thinking mm -hmm, (laughs) They're thinking that this could be a hint at what might be to come for the next iPhone which is either the iPhone s No, sorry the iPhone 6s and there might be also an iPhone 6S C or just a 6C. I don't know. But they might come in fancy colors.
0: So the 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 rumor or rumor of a rumor, whatever it is about the iPhone 6S would just be about the color and not necessarily about the chip because the 6 already has that A8 chip, correct?
1: It does. Well, well the A9 chip will definitely be introduced with the iPhone 6S. And apparently the rumors that I've seen is that the outside of the iPhone 6S It's pretty much going to be the same. We might have different colors, but the the body will be mostly the same. But the insides will definitely be upgraded. We'll have a faster chip and we're we're hearing now that the cameras, the optics are going to be vastly improved with 4K video recording capabilities, potentially a 3D camera, which is probably not going to happen. And um, I think a 13 megapixel uh, sensor which I think is, it's still eight megapixels now, and I'm sure it'll be um, much better performance in low light, which will be nice. But
0: will it bend?
1: apparently it won't the there have there have been some leaks that shows that the the body is actually much stronger than the current body i have to imagine that <laughs> apple engineers were not very happy when those videos came out
0: yeah gotcha yeah no i so saw i wonder too uh about the colors because right now the new macbook correlates with uh, what is it graphite space gray and gold you can get mm-hmm. the colors i wonder if they're going to add to that A uh, you know a, a Whatever the, I'm assuming the silver is going to be like the space gray or whatever one of those grays, uh, but you know having blue and pink uh, entire MacBooks it seems very gaudy uh, and a little over the top, but uh, hey the-
1: I I hope I mean the the silver I I thought the silver I mean sorry I thought the gold was a little bit tacky when I heard them announce it but I actually saw one in person when I picked up my Mac Pro from Repair the other day and it's kind of classy it's not bad the silvers or space gray also looks kind of nice but if they release a pink and bright neon blue MacBook I might just take one and throw it out a window
0: yeah it's gonna seem very much like a toy
1: Uh, it will yeah I don't think they should go in that direction for the iPods sure for the iPhones uh, I don't know if I would I would Release iPhones that with those exact colors. I kind of like a toned down blue or a toned down pink, but who who the heck knows? Right,
0: gotcha. So today is July seventeenth, to twenty fifteen, and I'm just setting the date to to allow those of you listening to this in the future to understand what day it is. Um, I follow this vlogger, short filmmaker, really Casey Neistat is his name, and over the past few months, he's been Doing a video blog every day, very much in the vein of like Louis Cole. But Louis Cole has always kind of bored me. Um not that he doesn't do incredible things, but it's just I don't know, it's not my it's not my thing. Um and Casey started doing these vlogs, and they're really good. They're really, really good, and they're very addictive. Um and he's been hinting at this big company that he's launching, and finally, over the past couple weeks, he's revealed that the name of this company, the name of this app that he's developing is something called Beam. And it's spelled like if you if you put the words Beam. And me together, so be me, um, but the, the word is pronounced beam. Um, and essentially, it's this app. It launched today. Uh, it looks like it's only on iPhone because everywhere I look, people are like, when's it coming to Android? When's it coming to Android? Of and course. as per usual, it looks like the poor Android users are going to have to wait for it, which does kind of suck, I admit. Um, but it, it, it did that happen with Instagram too? They came out and it was just on iOS for a while, what seemed like forever, and then it finally a lot of apps, yeah, yeah, and finally they went to Android as well, and it just you know that that just like took it to an entirely new Periscope uh, level. was a
1: big one that that happened to.
0: Yeah, so he launched this app Beam, um, and basically the app is like I don't know how else to to describe it other than like a very dumbed down version of Snapchat, which is probably kind of an (laughs) insult to him and the developers because I know they're trying to do something very different here. But basically the idea behind the app is that they want to create a social network that takes the, the fakeness out of your online social media persona. Um, so it's it's a video recording app, you record four-second videos that you post out to the world. Think of it as posting it to your Snapchat story. They all link together automatically and you really don't point the camera at yourself. You basically take the camera and I've, I have the app and I got one of the support codes or the unlock codes, whatever they call for it, and you just cover up the sensor Uh, on the front of your iPhone that detects, you know, like, hey, the phone is up against this guy's head uh, and he's making a phone call or whatever. And as soon as you cover that up, it like tones and vibrates a little bit to let you know it's begun recording. And then four seconds later, just vibrates a little and lets you know it stopped stopped recording and automatically, boom, uploads it. You can't look at it. You can't see it before you upload it. Once you upload it, People can watch it, but people can only watch it once before it's gone. There's no replay like Snapchat. It doesn't look like you can send somebody a video directly. Everything has to be posted to the public. Think about Facebook, but without a messenger service, you're posting everything to, like, your wall. Um... And you you can watch your own video, but only after you've posted it. So you can see it appear in the feed, just like everybody else would. And you click and hold and watch your video. Um, and basically if you're watching somebody's video or somebody's watching your video, you can just like move your finger a little bit and get this option to send a reaction, which every time you tap the reaction button, it takes like a selfie with the front facing camera. So you can just create like a quick, like almost uh, like stop motion animation of your video as you're watching their video or just parts of. Their video to send uh, individual photos, which is actually pretty cool because I posted some stuff earlier today while at the hospital, um, and I had I had somebody from Australia send me a series of selfies while they were watching it, just like their reactions they were watching. I had a guy from like Birmingham, Alabama, or something, and then another guy who was much more local. He was like just outside of Philadelphia, uh, so that was pretty cool. It was it was a lot. In, cooler than I expected, Uh, but there are a few things that I don't necessarily like about it. The interface, I'm not a fan of at all, and it may just be they're very ahead of the curve with where design is going, and I'm just not used to it. Admittedly, that might be the case. but I also, I mean, I would like it to be a little bit easier to take those selfies to respond to somebody's video. Um, I would like it to be more of a one-handed operation. It's a little clunky to do it with one hand right now. Um, and there's a few other things. I'm gonna be working, my, my Tutvid issue video this week is gonna cover the Beam app and just kind of my initial impressions and what I think about it. Um, and I'm gonna try to use it a bit over the next few days and kind of see what I like and, and don't like about it. Uh, but I mean, it's it's a top trending app on the App Store and a bunch of countries Countries around the world, including the U.S., it was trending on Twitter today. Uh, it surpassed the Tumblr app in the App Store today. It's got like a quarter of the reviews already that the Tumblr app has. Um, and I don't know. I mean, it could be the next big thing in social media. I don't know that the Beam app itself is going to be the thing that's the next big thing in social media. But I feel like the real transparency and and the the realness that Beam is trying to convey. Um, is going to at least be a component of the future of social media. Because essentially with Beam, like with Snapchat, you could shoot a video of yourself talking and then watch it play back and be like, oh no, no, I don't like the way it looks. I need to adjust the angle. Or my voice needs to be a little bit different, something like that. With Beam, you can't do that. Because you don't see it until you post it to the world. And it doesn't look like you can delete it once you post it out. Which you can do with a Snapchat story. Let's say, I don't know, you take a photo and you forget that your, your spouse is lying in the bed naked next to you or something and something gets flashed. That's another concern I have, like what if somebody does something like that and posts something that they realize, oh shoot, I really didn't want to post that. There doesn't seem to be a way to stop it once you've started the process. So that kind of scares me a little bit, but that also seems like something that should be relatively easy to fix. but I don't know. Maybe it is a more challenging thing than I thought. So Beam, B-E-M-E, um, you gotta look it up on the App Store right now. It looks like I, uh, like I said, it looks like it's only on iOS, um, but it looks interesting, and if you get in now, you can probably still get your name, well probably not your name, because there's already been like, I don't know, 50,000 signups, Um, but you can probably get a decent username, Um, and that way if it does become something, you'll at least have the username, and it's free, so why not go, you can reserve a username, even if you don't have a a code to unlock the full app yet, Um, but it looks like the app will become totally open to the public in, I don't know, a month, month and a half, something like that, I know there was like a 99 day counter, but it, it honestly just looked like it was like a default counter that hadn't been coded or something. I don't know. It was it was kind of bizarre. Um, so I don't know. It it beam. I believe it's beamapp.com is the URL if I if I'm thinking correctly. Uh, but definitely something worth checking out. Casey Neistat, um, He he produces great video content. Gets several hundred thousand views on basically anything he uploads onto YouTube uh, within a week um, and he puts out quality stuff so I, I'm willing to hang in there I'm a big fan of his stuff so I really want to see it succeed because I I mean the guy works he he's uh, you know I admire a lot of what he is um, But yeah, I mean, check it out. Check it out and see what you think about it. I'm afraid that there's going to be a lot of like blurry, out of focus, cockeyed videos. Um, I was looking around when it first launched and I can't tell you how many videos there were where it looked like somebody was sitting on the couch in their living room and it was just like the TV or the wall straight across from them as they were testing out the Beam app for the first time. Not very interesting, um, but I got to give it time for people to get out there and actually use it. So, hey, it's Beam app. Check it out.
1: Yeah, I have very mixed feelings about this because Casey's work is great, mm-hmm. but I feel that they're they're trying to be they're trying to be different, which is great. But I feel that it's it's a little bit too different. I, and, I see. I mm. I
0: almost think it's not different enough because mm. it. I I almost think it's like. And see, maybe you think it's different because you don't use Snapchat, right? It to me, it seems like a, a weak version of Snapchat. I don't know how else to describe it. Plus, I feel like, uh, like girls want to see their selfies. Do you know what I mean? I think it, it defeats the purpose of that. And like, quite frankly, teenage boys like looking at those photos of the girls' selfies, right? Uh, people, like, people don't just want to see a video of what you're doing. They want to see a video of you doing what you're doing. They want you to be able to turn around and point the camera at yourself and explain what it is you're doing, which you can do with Beam. It's just it's trickier and you have to use the only the front facing camera and you have to hope that you framed it up right and oh by the way you can't really check to see if you actually framed it up correctly so that's all stuff that kinda like it worries me a little bit um, and I don't know how people are gonna take to that of course there's gonna be the initial rush and excitement but I totally understand and there's a lot of people that have a lot of reservations about it and think that like oh this is a dumb idea it's just a bad just a bad idea you know what I mean I've seen a, a few people say that um, and tell me personally that hey, it's just a bad idea, it's not gonna work. Um, it, Jared Poland from frono's Photo, he you know, tweeted at me earlier today and just said, yeah, it's a, it's a horrible idea or something like that. Uh, yeah, I,
1: I was one of those people who tweeted and I just basically said it's pretty much a stupid idea. I watched the video, the marketing video, where Casey was explaining it, and at one point he took his phone and he put it up against his chest and apparently he explained that it captures what's in front of you, which yeah. I don't see how it's any different than you holding up the phone other than the fact that you can't see it. Well, the- and then another example, he put it against like a beam on the wall. Right. Um, huh, clever beam on the wall. Yeah. Um, and then apparently he, you have to kind of try to frame yourself in the photo with not seeing it. And I think, like you said, the majority of people, especially girls and teenage boys and even myself, I want to be able to see what I'm going to be posting to the world. And Michelle, my wife, brought up the exact same point that you did. There are going to be, in addition to very blurry, ugly photos, there are going to be slips of things that, you don't want to see and nobody else wants to see and it's going to be a major problem and I have a feeling that the majority of photos or videos that are on this service that are going to be uploaded are just going to be things that nobody wants to see they're going to be blurry photos of someone's television or they're going to be photos of something that shouldn't be there it's just I, I don't see it working unless they allow you to preview that, uh, that snap or whatever the beam before you post it.
0: Yeah and unless Unless um, – well, I mean we'll know within a couple months uh, first and right. foremost because it will burn out unless they change and adjust and adapt. Uh, so I mean I don't know. It's, it's really – it's an interesting concept. The calling card of Beam seems to be it's instantaneous video. You literally – you click no buttons. You open the app. You cover that little sensor, whether or not you put it up to your chest or just put your finger over it and shoot a video. You press no buttons and as soon as it stops recording, bam, it uploads instantaneously. That's it. I mean, You can create a four second video in about six seconds. So I mean that's the calling card. You can pull it out. You can shoot a tiny piece of content and then you keep adding pieces of content to it. And and I guess they figure, look, if we take out all the steps and make it as extraordinarily easy as possible, people are going to use it. And I don't think that's a bad idea, that in and of itself. I think it could have been executed a little bit better and it like it hurts me on the inside saying that because I genuinely love the work that this guy does. Um so I don't know, I really want to see it succeed. I hope they make some adjustments to the app. I, he's a smart enough guy. I can't I can't see them not making adjustments to the app and the guy who co-founded the app with Casey neistat is the guy who oh by the way, co-founded Tumblr. So, you mm-hmm. know, there's some pedigree there and they know they've got to know what they're doing. Um and I'll be interested to see. And that's 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 also part of the reason that I'm so willing to jump on so early because I want to be like, hey, I've got a good username. You know, just people have the username like Ben and Bob and Sam and stuff like that. You know, those people, hey, if it turns into something huge, you're going to have that username forever.
1: That's true. Yeah, you know, I, I love the idea of instant sharing, instant photos, instant videos, whatever it might be. But at the same time, they could have easily done it where there's just one button on the screen you can see yourself, hold down the button, and it would have been the exact same six seconds to release a four-second video.
0: Yeah, no, you're right. And, you know, at throwing throw in a second button to just flip the camera around, you know what I mean? Or, yep. or if you absolutely don't want that, still, just do the front-facing camera but in, immediately show that preview of the video like you would have with something like Snapchat where you take the video and as soon as you stop taking the video, it starts playing on your screen on loop until you either send it to somebody or post it to your story. But like with Beaming, you could just have a post it to my feed, post it to my story, whatever you want to call it. Like I said, if, you, if you're if you familiar with Snapchat, it really feels like a bizarre version of Snapchat. That's the best way I can describe it. But anyway, let's move on and talk about Pluto uh
1: yes this is this excited me a lot and i
0: knew it was going to (laughs) excite you because you're a big space guy i am a very big space guy what happened what the importance is um it it does look cool but i'll let you explain it because you're you're much more space intelligent
1: than i am (laughs) yeah so nine and a half years ago in 2006 the new horizons probe launched Um, And this was a project that was being worked on long before that. It was started by a guy named Alan Stern. And he's been working on this thing for, gosh, like 15 years, something like that. And the main purpose of this program, this mission, was to check out Pluto. What is Pluto all about? It was discovered many, many years ago, 1920 something or other. Um, And until recently, it was just basically a dot on you know we look through a telescope and we can see a dot and we knew based on everything else moving around it that that was Pluto and it wasn't or even a
0: good dot because no one wants to see a dot that close to Uranus
1: <laughs> it's actually pronounced Uranus but you,
0: oh you, darn see I, told I just you. ruined it for you I, I just have like the trivial you know high schooler <laughs> high schooler humor that I have to add and then you step in you know Mr. Bill Nye the science guy uh, but anyway just ruined on. it go for on. everyone <laughs> so
1: You know, Hubble has taken photos of Pluto, but because it's so close and because of all these other factors, it was basically this big blurry blob. We had no idea what Pluto actually looked like. We knew it was kind of brownish with a little bit of yellow and this sort of thing. But finally, in 2006, they launched New Horizons, and it took nine and a half years to travel three billion miles, which is an insane distance, and it actually got there a lot quicker than... They thought it would because it actually, at one point, used Jupiter. It used Jupiter's mass to actually slingshot New Horizons a little bit faster, which is—it's so cool. It's kind of like playing Angry Birds if you played Angry Birds Space. Yeah, it actually uses the gravity of Jupiter to slingshot it even further and faster, which is so cool. That is pretty But anyways. Cool. This past week, it finally made it to Pluto, and literally, it it was there for a day. It just kind of was like, hello, goodbye, I'm done. And it took thousands upon thousands of photos, and it's in the process of sending these photos back to Earth, and of course, being 3 billion miles away, it takes about four and a half hours to send back any sort of data. So we're starting to get back some high resolution photos, but they're not the lossless photos yet. Those will come over the next few months, Next, even I think a year and a half, we'll still be receiving data from this thing. And we're going to be seeing incredibly high resolution photos of Pluto's surface and what it looks like from the front and the back and all this sort of thing. And it should be really exciting to see what we find.
0: So does the, the satellite or probe or whatever they're calling it, it just continues on to the great beyond?
1: It, it will, yeah. It's basically going to be going towards the... So Pluto is in the Kuiper Coop, belt, Cuniper belt, something like that. Um, and it's not actually a planet. It's a dwarf planet. And it's it kind of... There's a bunch of other objects in this belt. And if there's additional funding for this project... Then it'll continue to scour this belt and take some additional pictures and send back more data. But the, the really the exciting part was Pluto. Anything beyond is kind of just like icing on the cake. Mm. But Pluto and its moon Charon, or Charon, there's a lot of different pronunciations. Um, we also saw a little bit of its its main moon. There's also it has five other moons or five moons in total, um, and we can b- basically only see Charon. But I mean, it's it's.
0: But what what is the size of a Pluto moon? Because isn't, like, the surface area of Pluto like the size of the state of Missouri or something? I saw somebody say <laughs> something like that. So are they just, like, asteroids floating around Pluto and we're calling them moons?
1: Uh, well, Pluto is slightly larger than our moon so it's it's very small which is one reason why it's not a planet it's a dwarf planet um and its moon i believe is about one third the size or two thirds the size of pluto so and what's interesting because of the size of sharon compared to the size of pluto they actually rotate and uh revolve around each other so they're they're making its way around the sun very slowly but at the same time They're orbiting around a center point between Pluto and Charon, which is kind of strange, but...
0: Yeah, I read somewhere that it's like, for every alleged Pluto rotation around the sun, it's like 900 rotations for the Earth or something.
1: Something like it's that. It's like yeah. some
0: ridiculous number. So you're saying it took nine and a half years for New Horizons probe to get out there, but it took 15 minutes for YouTube user xoxozebo to debunk it as a government conspiracy theory. I don't know if you know that fact.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I did see this, and I—I I, I mean, he made some interesting I I, points. And just
0: for the record, I don't know that that's his YouTube username. I'm just making something no. Up.
1: I mean, with every conspiracy theorist, I mean, there's been conspiracy theories about landing on the moon, which, by the way, there's a video on YouTube that actually proves how it was impossible to fake a moon landing, which is really interesting because, of course, you know, myself, I had some some thoughts about, you know, maybe maybe the moon landing was faked to, to to show, you know, the Russians and the Chinese that we can do it first. But actually, after I watched that video, I'm like, okay, well, at that time, the technology wasn't even there to be able to fake the moon landing. But anyways. And I, um, and I
0: love the Russians. Why would we want to show the Russians up? I love the <laughs> Russians. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's so the, there was, was a video war.
1: of some guy trying to debunk the Pluto mission, which my first reaction was, why would we even fake something like this to begin with? There's absolutely no reason for it. And second of all, I mean, the technology is clearly there, but he has some interesting, very creative points, but you know, whatever.
0: Yeah, so that's that. Anyway, uh, let's move on to this: uh, this space images and Photoshop. This more directly kind of ties to uh, the, some geekery that we that we have a more peculiar interest in. Um, and actually, I only became aware of this because I saw you tweeting at, I believe it was Adobe or Photoshop's Twitter handle. Um, what was the deal with it?
1: Yeah, so the official Photoshop Twitter account, at Photoshop, tweeted this interesting article from Resource Magazine, and it relates directly to some of this Pluto stuff and a lot of the space images that we've seen and been blown away with over the last bunch of years, whether it be from probes that are scouring the universe or the solar system or even just the Hubble Space Telescope. And what a lot of people don't realize is the images that The telescopes and these probes send back are not the images that we see a lot of these images are very small resolution some of them are only like 256 by 256 that are part of this massive mosaic of images that are being taken by these telescopes and a lot of them come back either black and white or infrared or just they focus on specific wavelengths that the human eye can't see because a lot of material and matter in space, we would not be able to see it with our human eye and a lot of it cannot be seen with regular optics. So special uh, filters have to be developed to be able to see this stuff. And when it's sent back, it pretty much looks black and white. So this article goes on to explain how there are certain people, the guy's name was Robert Hurt, And his job is basically to colorize these images. And it's not like colorizing, I mean, it's kind of like colorizing a black and white image that you've seen through YouTube videos or whatever it might be. But it's very specific, he he has to understand physics, he has to understand color, he has to be able to identify which images, basically which black and white images belong to different wavelengths. And he has to be able to convert those very accurately into what color they should be. And it's a very, I mean, it's very difficult to explain what he does without you really understanding the physics and the color theory behind it. You have mm-hmm. to check out the article. So go to Nathaniel's blog post and go to Resource Magazine, Resource Mag Online and read the article and listen to the lecture or the speak or the pod, whatever he gave. It's actually, it's very interesting to see that process.
0: Yeah. And that URL is tutvid.com slash WeGeeks slash episode 23. Yeah, no, it definitely looked really cool. Um, so, moving along. Did you buy anything for the Amazon Prime Day? We've got more deals than Black <laughs> Friday uh, fiasco. I, to be honest with you, I took one look at it, and I think I saw, like, extension cord heads. Like, not connected to an extension cord, but extension... <laughs> no, I'm not even joking. This is not, like, one of these stupid oh, tweets I that I saw. Extension cord heads... Uh, like lava lamps, like Br- Britney Spears late '90s kind of like lava lamps, or Backstreet Boys in sync. What I don't even remember who was using them, a- and just like uh, junk. And I clicked away. I didn't even, honestly. I didn't even think anything about it to to tweet anything or complain. Um, but then I saw everyone else tweeting about it, and I thought, oh, maybe I should have, but but I never did.
1: You know, Amazon announced this Prime Day a few weeks back, and. They claimed it would be bigger than Black Friday, which sounded amazing because Black Friday, they usually have pretty good deals. I thought it was going to um, be like a
0: super cyber Monday, but for everything, not just electronics.
1: Yeah, that's what I thought. So I was consider, I was really considering the day before staying awake because it launched at, I think, midnight Pacific time, which had been 1 one a.m. And I was I was totally ready to pull an all-nighter and just stay up all day and just see what was offered and, you know, just empty my bank account on a bunch of stuff. Um, but I, I couldn't make it, so I fell asleep. And I was so happy I didn't stay awake because, like you said, this stuff was just complete waste of time. It, it really seemed like not only were they trying to increase their Prime membership sales, but they have these massive warehouses with these items that are not being sold. It just seemed like they were trying to sell all this stuff to like 86 year old people that really, I mean, none of this stuff was of any interest. They had a few top ticket items that they were promoting, like uh, a 4k TV for about $900 or something like that. And they had a few other really cool items, but it seemed like there were four of them. And by the time they were ready for sale, there was a waiting list already. So, yeah, and, and I mean,
0: yeah, and if you browse uh, the Twitter, and we're gonna link this, the Twitter hashtag Prime Day Fail, you can see just people <laughs> listing story. And there's somebody I saw on there just before we jumped on the show here. They ordered it was like the the Kindle Fire or something, and by the time they ordered, it was two months back ordered, and then they decided they wanted a different color, and Amazon isn't letting them change the color.
1: Of course not. So I did read somewhere in one of the articles that I think 22,000 copies of 50 Shades of Grey were sold. So, you know, nine months from now, there's going to be a lot of babies named Christian Grey. Gotcha. Well,
0: honestly, I know nothing about the book other than that it's uh, smut. Um, (laughs) Pretty much. Anyway, uh, yeah, it did. It did. Like you said, it seemed like a a really bad – and I heard people referring to to it as like a bad garage sale, but one that you had to pay to get into. Um, Although, I mean, there were a lot of people who did have like 14-day free trials and stuff. I'm already a Prime member. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, I don't know. It was just – you know, no. Like I would rather see a hundred great items that are marked down than eighty six thousand items that exactly. you know are all junk because it's just a waste of time.
1: Yeah, especially like you said, you have to pay to get into the sale. It's ninety nine dollars per year, and of course, Prime does come with. I mean, I have Prime mainly for the shipping discounts. Yep. I buy a lot on Amazon, and the free two day shipping is. Priceless, um, and they have you know the movie streaming and all that stuff. But if you were just looking to purchase Prime specifically for this big massive sale, I, I kind of feel bad for those people.
0: Yeah, it get Prime because you're paying a hundred bucks a year for shipping from Amazon. That's honestly why I got it. Yeah, um, and it's just cool. Uh, so today, again, going back to the date, Friday, July seventeenth of twenty fifteen is World Emoji Day. Woo. yeah whatever that means I don't know I put out <laughs> some fun stuff on Twitter because um, playing with emoji is always fun um, do you use emoji
1: I do on occasion I don't go crazy with emojis but I'll usually put one or I mean, usually just one emoji at the end of a tweet just to kind of show my reaction or show my emotion right I guess sure. yeah I
0: think I think they're good for showing a little emotion yeah I would agree yeah yeah um,
1: I, yeah uh, I yeah I'm I, I'm, I, I'm
0: Torn with emoji and and any kind of even like this uh, the colon you know closed parenthesis kind of smiley face stuff because it depending on who's using it and the context in which you're using it you can go from being like cutesy teenager to really creepy thirty year old guy do <laughs> yes. you know what I'm saying so I, I, I don't know what to think about it I think if if emoji's overdone by anybody it's a little overbearing but I do feel like emoji is um it's a great open library of, like you said, ways to express emotion in an otherwise emotionless uh, medium, that being t- typically emotionless medium when, when you're writing. Um, but not only did uh, World Emoji Day happen, but they also announced it's like 36 or 39, 30 plus I'm going to say, 30 plus new emojis, uh, and I don't know if that's a proper uh, plural or not. Uh, but stuff like you can, you'll now have a drooling face or a nauseated face or even a very creepy sounding clown face just Mm. for those of you who hate clowns. But there are some interesting things like, um, like there's a pregnant woman is going to be one of the things, which is kind of cool. Uh, bacon, which I would imagine is is good. I would imagine that's going to be a hit. There were a bunch of interesting emoji that I saw listed. Um, and then some that were like wilted flower. One of them was a wilted flower. Um, so yeah, I mean, some that are, some that are interesting, um, and some that are not so, but there's a
1: Canadian with I see there's a Canadian flag with a hockey puck and a hockey stick, which is nice because my, my wife and I are big hockey fans and there are no hockey emojis. So that'd be nice nice to see. And there's also no tacos.
0: Yeah. In fact, I think taco is going to be one of the things that there will be, I I think so, I believe. Um, and there will be also like an avocado and a croissant. I saw that. Um, Mm. But, yeah, no, the NHL tweeted out World Emoji Day because, you know, like the NFL can do the football, MLS can do the soccer or, or football, uh, basketball, baseball, all that stuff is there. And the NHL just tweets out, well, this is awkward because <laughs> <laughs> there is no hockey ball. Anyway, moving on from World Emoji Day, I just thought I would mention that. as kind of like fun side news. Uh, Google announced a free website builder called Material Design Lite. Um, and I just threw this in here, not necessarily because I'll think I think I'll ever use it. I may. It is really cool looking. Um, it's basically a super easy free website builder um, that uses the Material Design Google's Material Design package, which if you're not familiar with it, um, is basically a package of graphics that are very much um, I don't know how to de- uh, how to describe it. It's sort of um, The look and feel of the Android interface uh, would probably be the best way to describe it. Um, And it's it's, it's essentially a set of templates and components. You're copying and pasting bits of code to build a website. They've got all these pre-built... Uh, components and styles and and all this different cool stuff that can go into these different templates. And the templates look really good. The design looks really great. Um, I'm not necessarily sure what the selling point of it is. I mean, it is free, so I guess that's kind of a selling point. Uh, it looks really, really interesting. Again, I'll have the link for it over on the website, tutvid.com slash WeGeeks slash episode 23. You if you're a web designer, if you have any knowledge of coding, you'll probably be interested in this. It's not something as easy to set up as like Squarespace or even... I would say WordPress. WordPress can get complicated, but WordPress can also be very, very simple to just set up and get going with. Um, Material Design Lite pretty much requires you to have some kind of coding knowledge, uh, but it's really cool. It's very, uh, I would say it's pretty plug and play for somebody who has a working knowledge of code or better. Definitely, definitely, definitely something worth checking out, Um, and at the very least, your website will sort of have a seamless uh, seamless experience for uh, the folks on the Android OS, and it's just generally and it's a pretty good-looking set of graphics and everything. Uh, overall, Android has really upped the game as far as graphics are concerned uh, over the past few years, anyway. Uh, so definitely something worth checking out. Material Design Lite by Google.
1: Yeah, it is really neat, and like you said, Android has definitely upped their game. When Android first launched, it was a little bit clunky, and none of the apps looked kind of. The same as all the other apps, but Material Design looks really nice. I don't use my Android device very often, um, but I did download the new YouTube update. I believe it was the YouTube Studio update, maybe for the iPhone, wow. and it has uh, the Material Design to it, and it, it 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 looks and looks and feels really nice. So if you know, If the whole Android operating system has this material feel to it and all of a sudden a lot of these websites are also matching that material design, I think that could give a little bit of a nice user experience. I think that's one of Google's hopes for this thing is to really make everything look and feel very similar, which is nice.
0: Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. Um, and it's, it's sort of, you can think of it as like the anti skeuomorphic design for those of you that are <laughs> right. for those of you that are design purists. Um, but yeah, no. So moving on from that, you shared with me this, uh, interesting article about a guy that was colorblind. I actually briefly checked out the video and read kind of your little write up on it. Um, but can you fill me in on this?
1: Yeah. So This was kind of interesting. There's this company called, where'd my notes go, Mm Enchroma, that's been kind of in and out of the news. I I saw a video, I think last year, with Enchroma's products. And a new video came to light, I found on Reddit last week, where this colorblind uh, individual got a birthday present. And he was unable to see purples or I think greens were very dull to him. A lot of colors kind of looked the same and he just couldn't see them like someone who isn't color blind is able to see. So that iPod touch, the pink iPod touch that we talked about earlier, he probably wouldn't really be able to see what color that is. So he was able to put these glasses on, which look just like sunglasses. It looks like a standard pair of sunglasses. And yeah. The way I believe it works in in a nutshell is these lenses or the filters on the lenses, whatever it is, they oversaturate specific colors to the point where if I were to put these on, the colors would just look absolutely ridiculous, I think, I, I would imagine. But to this person who, for a color like purple, is unbelievably dull, almost desaturated, it saturates the purple to the extent where he's able to see it like everyone else is able to see purple and he was walking around his office and he grabbed a bottle of Lysol and the label was purple and he just had like this emotional breakdown because he's now able to see all these colors that he was not able to previously see which which is so cool in my opinion he walked outside he looked at the grass and it all looked completely different and I I don't know I, I'm not colorblind at least I don't think I am I know you are Partially yeah, colorful. Yeah, I'm
0: partially, and it is with purples. Like, I can't really differentiate or see purple. It just looks blue to me. And I know blue and purple are relatively close, um, but I genuinely see no difference. I'll look at something and I'll say, hey, check that purple thing out. And people are like, what? That's blue. i am be like, mm, no, nah, kind of purple. And even like with my photography, uh, looking at a blue sky... Um, I'll often, and maybe people can pick it up in my tutorials, but I'll often tinker with like hue saturation sliders in Lightroom or Camera Raw, and I'll mess with purple and blue, trying to like spot the brightness difference in the sky, where I can kind of see, all right, that's about right. Um, But it forced me to kind of learn some hexadecimal codes um, generally, and how the hex code system works, specifically in the blue and purple arena. Um, so I could really you know, work with those colors and kind of be able to use the eyedropper to tell what it is I'm looking at. It doesn't look gray to me. I can tell there's color there. It's more or less the differentiation. Like I just see one color. I just see what I, in my mind, identify as blue uh, in place of purple. Uh, Interesting. And, and- so I, I'm
1: wondering if these glasses would even work on someone like you who kind of sees two colors as basically the same color. I'm not exactly sure. The way I understand it, is it, it allows people to see colors that are typically desaturated right so I don't it's it'd be interesting to see if they would work on you they do sell for $400 which isn't terrible but I mean they're just basically standard sunglasses with this filter on it but I mean if you're someone who traditionally cannot see colors that basically you're seeing the world almost in black and white this would I mean that $400 is an easy investment to be able to see the world like you've never seen it before. But what I'm really interested in is to see where this technology goes. I would imagine the next step would be to create a clear lens. So you just have regular glasses. You don't have to walk around inside with these sunglasses on. And then after that, Being able to squeeze this technology into a contact lens, which I would imagine they can probably do now, but it would be a very tinted contact lens, so it would look ridiculous. But it's really interesting to see where this, it's really a relatively simple technology, but it makes a huge difference.
0: Yeah, no, it looks pretty sweet. I wonder if, you know, if you or I were to wear a a pair of sunglasses like this and go for a cruise, we could see the people who are seasick because they would really be green. (laughs) That would be interesting. Just a thought. Uh anyway, so do we want to talk about this viral video, the cat calling woman? I Yeah, I, let me I watched the video. I'm pretty sure I saw it when it first came out, but I'll let you take this story because I feel like you know a little bit more about the ins and outs of what's actually going on here.
1: Well, it's a very strange story, so I'm gonna I'm gonna make this quick because I'm I mean there's a lot of information that we don't have and we may never have. So there was this viral video that came out a while ago, maybe last year or two years ago. This woman was walking in New York City down a, uh, a street or several streets, and it just shows a bunch of guys, like a hundred guys, not at once, but over a course of a bunch of hours, catcalling her and asking for her number and just acting like real idiots, like typical guys. Yeah. Um, And the video went completely viral. It received like 40 million views. And now, a year later, two years later, whatever it is, this woman is suing the director for $500,000. She's claiming she didn't receive what she was promised, and she didn't give written permission for them to use her video. Now, here's the weird thing that kind of throws everything off. In the article... And, of course, we don't know all this information. In the article, it, it states that she responded to a Craigslist ad from the producer or the director, and she accepted $200 to be in this video. So, right there, to me, it sounds like she did get what she was promised, and she did give permission to, for her to be in the video. But now that she's seen that the video has gone crazy viral, mm-hmm. and she's probably she was probably told approximately how much it made off YouTube ad revenue, she's she thinks she's entitled to some of this money, which, I mean, if she agreed to the Craigslist ad, and she was agreed to pay $200, which it sounded like she was, or she did agree, then she really doesn't have much of a case. But again, we don't really have any f- much information.
0: So I have a tip for the photographers and for the models here. Um, and actually, I have a, a very good example of something that I'm working on right now uh, that, that is very similar to this. Photographers, get the model to sign a model release. This goes back to what we were talking about two weeks ago in the whole start your Bingo. own business thing. Contract, contract, contract. It's not because everybody out there is a lying, conniving scumbag. Most of us are, but not everybody is. But it just it, it, if for nothing else, it clearly states what you expect and what the model can expect from you. This whole fiasco would probably have been averted because the photographer could say, look, we signed a contract, you expected $200, you acknowledge that, I acknowledge I was paying you for that. I had no idea the video was gonna go viral. How? Why would I offer you $20,000 if, you know, I'd be 19,800 in the hole <laughs> if the video got $200 worth of ad revenue, right? So I understand from the director's standpoint. And number two, if you're the model taking on a job like this, hopefully you have a little bit of savvy about you and you understand the political landscape a little bit, um, this whole cat objectifying women thing th- despite this side note we still legalize pornography which is like the ultimate objectification of women but I'm not even going to get into that we're going to get on our moral high horse and pretend like cat-calling women is the most evil thing ever which, I personally, I think it is a terrible thing, I'm not saying that but I also happen to think pornography is also an awful thing um, anyway uh, for the for the model, understand that this is a little bit of a hot topic issue right now, right? So say, look, I'll take the two hundred dollars, but I also want two percent of all ad revenue from the video. That way, it's a scalable income. If it never does anything, you'll get a hundred bucks. But if it makes five hundred thousand dollars, oh hey, now we're cooking with fire. You know what I mean? and i'm mm-hmm. I'm working on a job right now, shooting a Kickstarter video. We're still negotiating the term, so I can't like, yeah, whatever. I'm not going to get into a crazy amount of detail, but basically the company has a set budget. So we're saying, look, we can work with your budget, but we want X percentage of the Kickstarter funds. That's what we want. And, and, and my job then is, is not so much the job of a photographer, but the job of an investor. Do I think this product is something that can raise 20, 30, 40, a hundred thousand dollars? Because if it raises a hundred or let's say $500,000, I'm going to make a ton more money than if it, doesn't meet his Kickstarter goal at all. Then I get nothing. So you know, don't be afraid to write those kind of incentives into a contract if you're working on a project, especially if it's a project where there's money that's going to be made, but nobody knows exactly how much money is gonna be made, i.e. a Kickstarter or a YouTube video or some kind of viral ad or video campaign. If your talent or somebody working with, even a camera crew, right? If they say, hey, look, camera guy, we got 200 bucks we can pay you. You can say, all right, I'll do it for 200, but I want one and a half percent of whatever the video makes. Something like that. That to me seems fair because everybody knows what you're going for. The The director is still totally covered. He's still going to make a ton of money if the video does well or not so well. And the photographer is going to get compensated as well. Almost think of it as your, your little bit of royalty if you want to work it that way. To me, a totally fair way, totally great way to go about handling a situation like that.
1: Yeah, I completely agree, and I actually did something like this not too long ago, several months ago. Again, I won't get into details like you, but I, I kind of took this company under my wing, and I really saw potential in what they were making, what they were producing, and I, I, you know, with my marketing background, I said. Listen, you're, you're doing a lot of things wrong and there's so much opportunity for you to sell so much more by reaching a much bigger audience. Let me help you out. I understand you don't have a huge budget because you're not selling a lot of product, but what I can do is I can make this marketing plan for you and come up with a social strategy and you know, I'll get, you know, 2% or 5% of of each sale that's driven by my marketing practices. And, you know, there's some negotiation back and forth. Maybe it'll be like 1% on certain products and 3% on other products. But we came to a, a consensus. We had a contract and everything kind of went smoothly. I mean, I'm not working for them anymore because um, of other reasons, but, you know, we had the contract, which is what Nathaniel was saying. And if he, if he, the, the, the guy or the woman came to me and said, you know, we don't want to pay you 2% because we don't feel blah, blah, blah. Well, it's in the contract. So you always have to have a contract. And if you want to hear more about contracts, two weeks ago, we had an amazing episode all about starting your own business and transitioning into different fields. And you definitely go listen to that. And We cover a lot about contracts as well.
0: Yeah, no, definitely, uh, definitely in agreement. Contracts are very important. And don't be afraid to, like you just said, Howard, don't be afraid to negotiate. So yep. that pretty much is going to wrap up the news section of the podcast this week. Um, let's jump into quick six. And I, I owe you questions this week, Howard. So yes, I'm going to hit you with for uh, a few questions here that I feel like are somewhat relevant to news this week, but still hopefully pretty interesting. So I'll start with the first one retouch a photo of yourself or not before, let's say, posting it to Facebook?
1: I do. I, I don't go overboard. My new profile picture that is on Facebook and and Twitter and all that stuff, I retouched a little bit, got rid of some, you know, acne here and there, uh, cleaned up the hair a little bit. But for the most part, you know, I don't overly smooth my skin or I don't change my eye color or anything like that. Just kind of remove a little bit of imperfection.
0: Gotcha. Uh, Doctor Who or Dexter?
1: I have to go with Doctor. Who.
0: really? and you one of and for the for those of you that are listening, one of Howard's two dogs is named Dexter. Is that correct?
1: Well, one is named Dexter and the other one is named Morgan, which Dexter Morgan is the main character in Dexter. We were big into the show many, many years ago, and this was before we even started watching Doctor Who. Um, I think if things were different, if we had been watching Doctor Who before we got our dogs, they probably would have been named something related to Doctor Who.
0: Gotcha. Uh, all right, American football. Or basketball, I know you're a hockey guy and you're a Canadian, but I'm gonna. I am you with...
1: a big hockey guy. Uh, watch a little bit of baseball. I don't really watch football or basketball. If I had to choose,
0: and, and it can uh, be, it can be not only just watch, but even play. I
1: wouldn't do either of those either. Um, I man, this that. is a tough question. I would probably go football mainly because of the 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 massive support that's around whatever you uh, call it
0: gotcha. uh, see I would go with football because I feel like the branding and logos is much better with the NFL did I say basketball no no you said football
1: okay I did say football okay
0: <laughs> you're very you're very committed to the decision I see
1: <laughs> it uh, sounded like you were you're going against me what's your favorite car I have to go with, well, yeah, I have to go with my Mini Cooper. I've had, this is my third Mini. I, I love the Mercedes. I just can't afford them, but I love my little Mini Cooper. They're so fun to drive.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, I'd seen Tesla just like massively updated some of their cars. It's like a ridiculous zero to 60 miles uh, an hour, but you know, 105 grand if you want to get one.
1: Yeah. Uh, <laughs>
0: what's your favorite emoji?
1: My favorite emoji is the...
0: Do you have a the, single favorite emoji? I
1: do, actually. I don't use it very often, but I just think it's incredibly humorous. It's the, the yellow face, like the regular emojis, with the, the round eyes with no mouth.
0: Yes. If you, if you know which yep. emoji. I yep. love that I emoji. I don't no use it. I
1: mean, I don't know when I would use it, but I just think it's really humorous.
0: If you're stuck in the city and you got to get from point A to point B in the rain, would you take an Uber or take a taxi?
1: Probably an Uber.
0: Uber. Uber it is. Well, there you go. That's the quick six of the week. Let's get on to winners and losers of the week. Do you want to start with winners and losers? you want me to take winners and losers first?
1: Sure. I'll, I'll start it this week. My winner of the week is actually kind of strange, but it's a gorilla. <laughs> I don't know if you saw this, Nathaniel, but there was a there's this photo going around of a gorilla flipping off a photographer. Now I'm sure this gorilla has absolutely no context of what he's doing and I'm sure it was just a photo that was caught in the moment but I, th- I find it funny that, you know, this was gorilla locked in a zoo. I'm not a big fan of zoos. I've been to zoos and I love taking pictures in zoos but I hate the fact that animals are like caged up in these things so the fact that this gorilla is looking at this photographer and ver- very blatantly flipping this photographer off. Yeah, he looks, I like, just think, he looks
0: like the angry old man. I had not seen this photo but I'm looking at it right now. Just looks like the angry neighbor is like, what are you doing on my lawn, huh?
1: It really does. And I think it's just great. He is definitely my winner of the week.
0: That is pretty awesome.
1: Now, my loser of the week is... Are you familiar with the Pan Am games? Uh, Mildly. Okay, it's basically... Um, according to Wikipedia, it's, it's a major sporting event in the Americas, and, and this year it was hosted in Toronto where I was or was born and raised featuring summer sports in which thousands of athletes participate in a variety of competitions. And it's usually held the year before the summer Olympics. So that that's not the, that's not the loser, but the loser of the week is whoever created the Pan Am games website. They are threatening in their terms of service. They threaten to sue anybody who links to their website. Now try and process that for a second. Let me read you what the Terms of Service says. Links to this site, and by the way, site is capitalized for some reason, are not permitted except with the written consent of TO2015. If you wish to link to the site, again, capitalize S, you must submit a written request to TO2015 to do so. Requests for written con- consent can be sent to, there's an email address, and it reserves to write to withhold its consent to link such right to be exercised in its sole and unfettered discretion. So basically this website is saying that you are not allowed to link to a public website. And if you do, there could potentially be legal action.
0: What's the email address? We hate SEO at gmail.com. <laughs> Basically. Is that, is that the email address? That's pretty stupid. I've
1: never even heard of... such. I can understand if it was like a private website, but this is a public website for a major, major sporting event. And they're... In the terms of service, they're threatening to sue people yeah. for linking to it. Yeah, you would think that you
0: would want as much free publicity as you could get surrounding an Unless event Unless like this
1: that. is a publicity stunt, but I don't believe it is. I think there's just really stupid people working for this company.
0: <laughs> gotcha. you. Well, my winner of the week is this guy whose wife left him, uh, and apparently she took him for everything he had, and he basically was left with nothing but his dog. Uh, so what did he did? What did he do? He created this photo series with his dog. Literally, it's his dog against like a white background. It looks like he would photograph it and then digitally add things to the dog, like but like it's drawn on the wall behind the dog, not actually on the dog, making it look like that he positioned the dog perfectly. Uh, and, you know, right like here, there's a picture of the dog with horns drawn on the wall behind it that look like the horns are coming out of the dog. Uh, this one, it's like a cow's udder, you know, on the bottom of the dog. And he's got a bunch of black spots stuck on the side of the dog, you know, butterfly wings, uh, you know, him pulling like a girl's pair of underwear away from her body um, as a member of Kiss. Uh, just all kinds of very, you know, a remake of the Jaws cover, but it's like the bottom of the dog's snout sticking up. So that was definitely my winner of the week. Very cool, very funny, Um, and I don't know. I thought it was pretty cool. And those are pretty original and and clever photos. Yeah, it's not like overdone. It's not overproduced. He's not trying to. It doesn't seem like he's trying very hard. It just seems effortless and genuine. Uh, and I really like it, um, and maybe I'll post a link on the, the blog post as well. Uh, now, my loser of the week is kind of sad. I was gonna make my loser of the week Planned Parenthood because of all that selling body parts, but that's way too much of a dark note to end the show on. So I couldn't. I just couldn't do it as much as it's like repulsive and everything. My loser of the week is a photographer uh, in Ohio who was arrested after he witnessed a car accident and instead of helping the injured people in the car he got he got inside of the crashed car and he started photographing it with his cell phone and one of the two 17-year-old uh, boys that were in the car ended up dying. Oh. So it was a, a fatal accident. This guy jumped in, didn't help them, and one of the kids ended up dying. So horrible horrible thing um and and almost to make matters worse if he is convicted uh, he faces a maximum penalty of thirty days in prison and a two, a two hundred and fifty dollar fine,
1: that which I, which is pretty I'm, horrible. I'm not a legal expert, but I, I hope someone finds something to charge this idiot with. That is that is terrible. He could have he could have saved people's lives, and yeah. instead he decided to photograph. I mean. Well he's being, he's being through he's being mind. charged
0: with vehicular trespass and a fourth degree misdemeanor. So there's no there's no kind of homicide. I don't know what the law is surrounding if you're in a position to help somebody and you don't um, I, I would think – I mean there's got to be a way to determine and find somebody culpable of something because that's really bad. And, and you know me, Howard. I'm all about all in the name of a good photo. But there yeah. also comes a point. I think we talked about it a while ago on our live show um, or maybe it was somebody else that asked me in an interview one time. Um, if you were photographing in the war zone – and you saw uh, a, a a human being, and you knew that they were about to be shot. Would you stay there and photograph it, or would you find a way to alert them and get them out of there? There's no doubt in my mind. Everything is secondary to preserving human life.
1: When, of course, there's not can. even a question.
0: And, and you know, so while while in my in my photographer heart, I say everything in the name of a good photo, the human side of us absolutely has to come first. Yep. And if you I have the opportunity agree. to help somebody. You gotta help somebody. Nobody's gonna remember that photo that you took one day, you know, 50 years ago. But you're never gonna forget letting somebody die to get that photo. You're never gonna forget it ever. Um, so yeah, just kind of a crappy story. Um, and I had to make him my loser of the week. Um, so yeah, that is it.
1: Wow. Well, there you go. That I didn't expect that. What? What a. What a, ugh, what a tool. <laughs> Yeah. I hope I mean Karma's gonna bite him in the ass. Even if he gets 30 days and $250 fine, Karma is going to get this guy.
0: <laughs> it lives on with you for the rest of your life. <laughs> yep. So that
1: will just about do it for episode number 23. I may actually call this episode Beam Me Up Scotty. That's a good beam. name.
0: I, I mm. like that. And we this so I, I think we have to have word of the week, then would be well, that's Beam. Right
1: beam there you go beam. yeah i think michael michael williamson on twitter listened to our last episode i guess we forgot to include a word of yeah. the week and so here it is michael tweet at us beam b-e and take it a
0: step further and download and check out the app
1: definitely do that let us know <laughs> because i again i am very torn on this beam thing i don't know yeah. if i'm going to try it or not but I'm, I'm very interested. You, I mean, you
0: definitely should try it, Howard. If, if for no other reason, you should download it tonight and just reserve your username. Seriously. That's true. I might do that. Because if it that. turns into something huge, you're going to kick yourself for not just downloading and, and preserve it. it. Like It's free. It's no skin off your back. Just grab your username. You can save the username. I can send you an access code tomorrow. Um, and you can get in and play around with it. If nothing else, if it's a hot item, you can write an article about it and you know have some content to put on your website or something.
1: That's very true.
0: So that'll pretty much do it for this one. Guys, thank you so much for hanging out with us, um, and I guess we'll see you later. See you next week.